Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And hopefully this isn't the last Overcrest podcast ever. Wait, why because, is it going to be the last? Because I didn't make it home from the unintended acceleration truck going <laughs> This was recorded a little early, so hopefully I, hopefully I made it home. There's a heat advisory this weekend coming up. I'm just realizing this right now. Oh, my goodness. There's no air conditioning. And I think I'm going to try. How far is Milwaukee? It's like five-hour drive. Yeah. And it's 92 degrees and humid. Yeah. It is just like ball sweat territory <laughs> to the max. So I think I, I have one of those cans of um, Freon thing. Okay. I think oh, just, like where you like the yeah. The, I'm just gonna dump it in there and see what happens. <laughs> and just if it gives me the hardware store ever, Freon or air conditioning. Have you ever had air conditioning that didn't work, but you bought like three of those just so you could get? No. I've done that. Like on a trip to Milwaukee, uh-huh. and no air conditioning. I think it was in my old Passat. Okay. And I just I would stop every like. So because it, it works for a while. It works for a while. I buy like one little can and I'd still have the thing and then I'd fill it back up. Like just when you would get gas, you fill up the air conditioning too. <laughs> <laughs> and then just evacuated in there. Oh, I remember cutting a core support once on an old Mark III Jetta. Okay. And I was cutting the core support off. I don't know why. Who knows why we do these things? <laughs> and uh, I remember cutting into the air conditioning line, which kind of runs up there, and yeah. getting sprayed in the face Ooh. with Freon. And then just standing there and watching it all evacuate out with the with the line that I cut with a saw with a yeah with a die grinder. Yeah, that's that's great for well, the environment. I don't care about that. I just care about not my face, air, my face, and not having air conditioning. <laughs> Not having air conditioning anymore. Wow. Yeah, no, it's uh, usually I will actually go to a shop and have them test the system because generally that means there's a leak. I was like 20. Okay. So it's, it's, you just do it. You can't afford to pay something, but you can't afford $11 or whatever it is for a can. So you don't die. Oh, I thought this was going to be a plug for a Patreon. You can't afford that, but you know what else (laughs) is going to be cool by listening to us. Have you ever bought uh, in, in my 911 from time to time? I'll buy a bag of ice. Right. And then you just basically, I put it on the back of my neck. Okay. You throw it on the back of your neck and it, it, no, no, you throw it on the back of your neck and then it just sits there and eventually it turns to water and then you dump the water in cup and you drink it. Because it's cold water, like you're all yes. set. What do you mean? Do you put? Do you ever get a bag of ice and put it in your drink? Yes. Okay. So what's the difference? I don't know. When it's melted, just, that seems weird. Well, it's not completely melted. It's still cold. You just kind of you bite a hole in the bag and you hold it up and you squeeze the water <laughs> in your mouth and, and all over your head. I've and done everything that else. with boxed wine bags. That's much more. So that exciting. sounds like a party. <laughs> so today's show's fun. We've got Scott Birdsall coming on. He's yes. the founder of Chuckles Garage and Resolute Motorsport, which builds Safari-style 911s. And I know him by his truck, Yeah, Chris. Old Smokey. Old Smokey. This 14, thing is nuts. 1,400 horsepower. And then someone asked on his Instagram, like, how much torque? What he did says he say? All of it. All of it. All of it. It's basically, it's like, what, what is it, a compound turbo? Is that yeah, what so it's a Cummins with a compound turbo setup. Yeah, so we'll making, ask him all about that. Just, and he, he takes it to Pike Pe- Pike's Peak. Yeah. And he's going after the diesel record. Right. And this is an old uh, 19, I forget what it is, Ford F1. Like, it's just an old just pickup. An old tr- I mean, there's not much of the truck left. True. I mean, you can see the fenders and stuff like that. But a lot of his, like, tube chassis stuff and everything like that. But, uh, yeah, we're going to talk to him about that. We're going to talk to him about Resolute a little bit, kind of his history. Talk about Pikes Peak a little bit, which I'm fascinated with. Actually, I am, too. Um, we got approved for media credentials if you want to go. That could be a lot of fun. We could go if you want to go. There'll when be is no it? spectators at all. End of August, August 30th. Okay. So we could maybe think about going there. Um, what? So it made me think what this truck was obviously not anything that was ever built for Pikes Peak. Certainly A lot not. of guys take sports cars to Pike Peak or they right. take prototypes. Right. What would you take to Pikes Peak? What would you build? What was? What would you put together? What's the Jake Mobile for Probably, Pikes Probably, you know what I do is do an old Audi Quattro. Just you, you could, like you could hold the Murano Cross Cabriolet oh, record. You're right. I could. 
with my, the wind blowing in the, the hair t- as I, t- I go. I, t- I tagged you in that post. Yeah. Of the guys. Right. The dude was so proud of that car. He was standing right there. Oh, he was standing there. He, he was standing oh, right there. I thought there. this was just like you saw it no, on the street. This dude looked like a total pimp. He was dressed to the nines. He was downtown oh, with right. his boys. Yeah. You know, maybe just smoking a few things. Just sure. hanging out. Yeah. He was, he's like, you know, these things are really rare. I said, yeah. And then I kind of told him the story about how the designer's wife or whatever yeah. wanted one. And he's like, oh, that's so cool. And there was we so we sat on the other side of the street, okay. just on the just on the, the the porch. All the bars, half the bars are closed. Sure. So we're sitting on the stoop of this bar that's just it's one o'clock in the morning, downtown okay. Minneapolis. And people are driving by going, Hell yeah, man. Just like at this I mean, they everybody loved that thing. It was on like huge wheels and everything. That's and awesome. I, just go, I tried to buy it for you. said, Man, is this thing for sale? My buddy Jake really likes these things. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> And the guy just goes, have you seen how many people drove by and like this thing? <laughs> that was no his response. Chance. Yeah, there's no chance we're ever going to sell this thing. So, yes, make a Pikes Peak racer out of a Murano Cross Cabriolet. <laughs> I sure love the, it. I'm sure the rigidity on those is great. I'm oh, sure I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, though. Old Quattro? Yeah, I think that'd be cool. Just like the it's old kind of, S1s or something. It's kind of predictable, though. Well, I, mean, I don't know. Kinda... What are you? You're putting me on the spot here. What would you do? I'm not putting you on the spot. I showed this to you earlier today. You're I not know, on the spot. but I didn't no come excuses. up with any good ideas since then. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I would do is I've seen this video of this old, and I'm kind of, I was thinking diesel, right? And I was thinking okay. the diesel thing. And I was thinking of things that don't really belong, which is kind of the theme of this truck. It doesn't really belong there. Right. And it's, but it's still just in, in absolute insanity, right? Off the charts. And I go, okay. What could I do that kind of doesn't belong? And I thought about the old 123, W123 wagon that drifts. It's got okay. a big, huge turbo sticking out of the hood, black smoke billowing out, billowing out everywhere. <laughs> and the thing is just drifting. Like, it just doesn't it doesn't seem like it should. It, imagine having, like, a, a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. And somehow it just, it like, magically just goes. Oh, it I thought you were going to say brute force. You just get it that in there. <laughs> yeah, you just take a big hammer and a mallet and just whack the hell yeah, out of it and go. just splinter the wood. Everything. <laughs> you know, one time my, my kid was doing, they had the little plastic ones. Sure. Where you put all the little shapes in or whatever. Yeah. She couldn't figure out how to get this one in, so she just opened it, threw it in, and then shut it. And that was her. <laughs> that was her way. Of, and you're like, you're well, either a genius yeah, or a total cheater. Um, I think one of those would be cool. Uh, oh, you know what I just thought of? Since we're talking about things that like don't belong, how about a Morgan three wheeler trying to make it up Pikes Peak? I'm sure that's happened many times. Those oh. those things have had to have gone to Pikes Peak. Otherwise, I'd swap um, in the Audi range, right? I'd swap the twenty valve turbo from yeah. like the, the the URS four or whatever, yeah, into something that didn't belong in, like <laughs> something like the wagon, the sure. W one twenty three wagon, all right, just like some or like a Volvo wagon or just yeah. some just some atypical doesn't belong there. Those things are you can develop a ridiculous amount of horsepower. I know you can. They put them in, you remember the Dahlback Golf? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. It had like a thousand horsepower of a yeah. Mark IV Golf. I don't know whatever happened to that thing, but that was a 20-valve turbo. Yep. Let's let's find that thing and take it up Pikes Peak. All right, let's that do would it. Be, I you like ever, that. Um, did you ever play Gran Turismo back in the yes. day? Yes. What was the fastest car It was the Turismo? little Suzuki. The Suzuki. The Escudo. Escudo, that the was The Suzuki Escudo was the Fastest car, and it was the Pikes Peak. They didn't call it the Suzuki Escudo. They called it like the, like the Pikes Peak Escudo or something okay, like that. It was the Pikes sure. Peak car, and he would drive it on any track, and it had uh, no understeer, no oversteer, and it would just <laughs> just go flat out wherever you wanted to go. Yeah, exactly. Much. I mean, it was like the cheater the car, basically. It was seriously the cheater car. And, I remember uh, seeing that thing. It's the first time I had seen like front arrow, or the first time I recognized, I was like, what is going on with this thing? Because it is the huge front wing. And a huge it. rear wing, too. Right. Massive arrow on this car. Yeah. And I don't know, I didn't really look and see when these things were made. I probably should have, but um, they're a two-liter twin-turbo V6 with a 1,000 horsepower and an 1,800-pound car. Wow. Back when Suzuki was cool. 
Yeah, no kidding. What's, what's, I keep. Have you ever seen that meme where it's like big brain, little brain, and some guy's got like a, a brain that's like melting, and the other guy's like got a huge brain with all kinds of muscles? Okay. I feel like that's Suzuki with cars versus motorcycles. Yeah. Because they have some badass motorcycles. Oh, for sure. But their cars are just pedestrian and lame. Yeah. Why can't they... Just transition some. Why don't they just put put the damn bike motor in a car? Yeah, you've already got it. People right. are doing it with minis. Can't we just take one of these little Suzukis that you have and just you're the factory? Just do it. Yeah. Take it to Bike Speak. Let's have fun. It could be the Scooter Junior. I love it. Let's go. <laughs> Isn't uh, does Suzuki make the cappuccino in? Do you know what I'm talking I, about? I thought that was uh no, I'm thinking of the Neon Espresso. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I gotta look this up. Suzuki. When I think of a uh, Dodge Neon Espresso, I think of women in multicolored coats and glasses that have multicolors <laughs> and a lot of cats just like white. No, 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 no on look coffee. it up. The Suzuki Cappuccino. I agree. They need to put like a Hayabusa engine in this thing. Oh, that would be amazing. It's like the little Honda. Um, yeah, it looks. It's like a mini Miata. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah so let's put. Let's do it. Why don't they do it? Just put. They could do it. I don't they know. They could do it. They, otherwise, um, Gran Turismo is great. I mean, it, it's unlike any racing game now where you. I don't know. If, I don't. I haven't played any of the new Gran Turismo's, but I've been playing a lot of Forza in the last right. several years, and they don't have the endurance racing. Do you ever do the endurance racing where you had did. to you had to sit there and you could get a ton of money? I mean, it's like holy cow, you can get like one hundred fifty thousand dollars if you spend this race. But you literally had to sit there with your buddies and pass the controller back and forth. Oh, jeez! And just I think you could hire a driver, but then you'd get like thirty percent less money. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would have like no four patience hours for that. or like an yeah, hour and a half just no sit patience. there in the endurance racing. And then you had the licensing thing where you could get oh, like that's the, right where you had to get the S class license yep. and you had to do things and you had to meet a time. Yep, you need to do it over. And over <sighs> and over and over. Yep, and that's was, why I didn't play that much of that game. And I was thinking about it, and all the new video games, everything. I watch my uh, my kid player Switch, the Nintendo Switch. Right. None of the games have a real consequence for failure. Even the Mario game that's on there, yeah, it's a side-scrolling Mario game called Mario U or whatever it's called. Okay. And you have like Princess and Toadstool and Mario and Luigi and blah 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 <laughs> right. blah. Right. All the players are there, and you have unlimited continues. Oh, you have unlimited continue. So what? Why does it even say game over? The game is never over, Jake. You can just keep going and <laughs> it's keep like playing. Participation. Back in the ribbons. day, it would just say, and then you, you were dead. Oh, You're dead. It was you had to so start disappointing. Over. Or like, I mean, and there was no saves really nope. on any of this stuff. No, and. uh at least back then, you could save your progress in Gran Turismo and stuff like that. But that was such that was the first exposure I ever had to anything with Pikes Peak. Yeah, was the Escudo, and I had to go and find out what Pikes Peak was, which means I had to go to the freaking library. Basically, <laughs> you know, I didn't really have much internet. You no. could go on CompuServe. You know AOL. what I remember about that game too is it came with the booklet that basically showed you like driving theory, yeah, like the the racing line. And I remember reading that and like, oh, this makes so much sense. That was my first intro and basically like how to go through a corner on the racing line. Yeah, it was it was a great game and my first exposure to Pikes Peak. Um, before we have uh, Scott Cut on the line, what have you got for us? Yeah, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Petrol Box. Petrol Box is a monthly subscription service specifically made for the automotive enthusiasts. Each month, they carefully select items including tools, detailing supplies, apparel, garage gear, stickers, publications, all the latest and greatest from the industry, and they put it right there in the mail delivered to your doorstep. There's actually two different levels of subscription to choose from. You have the Petrobox Basic, which costs less than 20 bucks a month, while the Petrobox Premium gets you even more gear for $39.95 a month. Check them out at mypetrolbox.com and use the code OVERCREST at checkout to get $6 off your first month. 
Scott Birdsall, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, man. It's really uh, it's our pleasure to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. When I when I saw you know I saw the truck and everything else, and you know we got introduced, and I, I knew of the truck, but I didn't know who built it. And I saw Chuckles Garage. And I'm like, that is a that is about as great of a name for a garage as I've ever heard. Right. So I got to know where does where does Chuckles c- come from? Do you are you a giggly dude or what's going on? <laughs> Well, it's not Chuckles the Clown, that's for sure. Um, no, my dad's uh, my dad. My dad's name was Charles. Um, everybody called him Chuck, and his uh, nickname was Chuckles, and uh, that was also his uh, CB handle when he was a police officer. Nice. So, did he? Did you? Uh, did you talk on the CB radio when you were a kid? I did. It was great. Oh, of course. What, did you have a handle? Um. Uh, Oh, what was it? It was Tony the Tiger. Nice. I was Weasel. I was Weasel. Weasel. <laughs> yeah, I was Weasel. My dad would always call me little. I was the little Weasel. He would always call me Weasel. So that was my. That was yeah. my CB yeah, handle. My dad's, my dad's buddy called me Tony the Tiger. So that ended up being my uh, CB handle. Like all the local truckers knew who I was and everything because I was always on the CB radio. You ever? When was the last time you had a CB in a car? Oh God, probably when I was in high school. It still works, man. <laughs> It does. All the truckers still use it. It's fun. You get out there on the, Hey, there's a, you know, there's a bear on exit, whatever, or there's a, there's a gator laying on the road on this exit on this mile marker, blah, blah, blah. I've had conversations. I've heard sob stories about people's wives. It's, I mean, it's good stuff. Yeah. You know, I don't, I'm not sure how that is in California. We're, they might have they might have gotten away from that. I don't know, but I'll you know what I'm gonna go buy a CB now. <laughs> it's fun, man. Well, it's, I, I do a lot of road trips, so it's you know I haven't actually I haven't had a CB radio. I had a Volkswagen Rabbit was the last time I had a CB radio. It was a pretty fast Rabbit, and I had a I had the magnetic antenna that went on the roof, but it would fall off at about 120 miles an hour, and the, <laughs> and the cord would be like dragging behind the hatch. The thing would be like laying on the ground. I'd have to pull over at the next exit and put it back on and whatever. Can you even call it a Volkswagen Rabbit anymore if it goes 120 miles an hour? Uh, it's not a good idea. It's not a good idea. Although yeah. some of the diesel Rabbit pickup trucks I had with the CB radio, I'd always go, hey, you know, truck, whatever, Swift, whatever, truck, can I tuck in behind you for a draft? And the guys would always say, yeah, but I can't see you, so be careful back there. And I could pull this little rabbit diesel pickup truck, and I could feel my foot come off the accelerator, drafting behind these, behind these so big you're, trucks. Are you a, were you a Volkswagen guy? Oh, yeah, man. That's, that's the foundation. So I got, I got something for you. You probably haven't heard of one of these or seen one in a long time, but the Volkswagen Dasher yeah, was my man. first car. Oh, yeah. That was yeah, your first car? A, that was my first car. I had a two-door automatic um, hatchback. Volk, uh, Volkswagen Dasher, and that thing pulled all the checks, didn't it? <laughs> Dude, I was peeling them off with a freaking spatula. Like, <laughs> it was it was like turd brown and had like two hubcaps, and I thought it was so cool in it. You weren't, but yeah, it was, it, was, <laughs> <I know. laughs> it, was, it was a pretty lame car. <laughs> yeah, they're they're so they're they're slow. Now they're kind of cool though. You look back on the old Dashers and the old Rabbits and. All that stuff in there. I mean, the valleys are going, you know, absolutely. They're out. It's disgusting now. Uh, was your father into cars when you were growing up? Was that kind of where the inspiration came from? You said he was a police officer, but when he wasn't pulling people over, were you were you guys wrenching in the garage or anything? Well, he was uh, he was retired by the time I was eight or ten. Um, he got in a really bad accident. He got rear-ended by a drunk driver, so it kind of retired him. So he worked. He actually worked as a security guard, making a pretty pretty small living for you know the rest of his life but he was he was a car guy like we used to watch the indy 500 we used to watch pike's peak on tv all the time 
like when it was on CBS Sports still. Sure. Um, you know, all the big races, Daytona, all that stuff. We would watch races together. And he was a gearhead, but he could never afford to indulge in having like a fun car or anything like that. Okay. Um, so, I mean, what was I he driving? He what are you guys driving turn? around? Like, what are we taking to the grocery store at this time? It's not the Dasher yet, oh, but what are you what are you driving? So, like when I was a kid, they had the most clapped out car. It was a, uh, it was an what was an Oldsmobile cut old Oldsmobile Cutlass Cruiser wagon. Ooh. And it was like baby blue with a white top. It was the gross. Dude, I used to get picked on so much at school for getting <laughs> dropped off in that thing. Like, please, I made please my drop me off like down the street. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> two blocks away, please. Two blocks away. So, what was the uh, first thing so you ever I, turned the boost up on? You know, obviously, this is something that you are you've become very accustomed to. But there's always a first time for a boost knob. Uh, what was the what first was the, boost knob for you? My first boost knob. <laughs> <laughs> Um, probably, probably my, I had a Corrado and, okay, okay. oh God, what a horrible car. <laughs> um, well, it must've been the one with the G ladder. I was going to say the G60. Yeah, it was a G ladder. It was a G60. And Not it's the just like, no, it just blew up. So, <laughs> well, the supercharger they have in those things is just ridiculously complicated. You know, the, the. The, yeah. sp- the situation that they've going on with that thing. It's, it, was, it, was, it was pretty poor. So it, essentially I blew that up and then I had a mini truck cause I was a mini trucker for a little bit and I, I put nitrous on that <laughs> and then that blew up. So, I mean, I pretty much just started blowing stuff up cause I mean, boost once, once you have like something that's not naturally aspirated, you kind of don't want to ever own anything like that again, that isn't boosted ever again. Well, there's that fine um, limit of, is it going to blow up? Oh my God, it's not blowing up right now. And I am, my hair is on fire and this thing's really fast. I mean, finding that line is always, always a good time. Right. You know, I'm really good. I'm really good with that line on client vehicles, but on my own, I, <laughs> I just, I, I have no restraint. It's just like, all right, needs more power. I think the only, I haven't had a lot of boosted vehicles. I've had a Volvo and stuff like that, but the only one that might interest you is I did a, I did an indirect injection uh, IDI, so it's the Canadian TDI motor, and right. uh, 1.9 mechanical. I had I was running 30 pounds of boost on that thing, and with this just this like regular, I think it was like a, I don't know, like a KO3 or a K27 size, n- not a big turbo, a very small turbo, but 30, 30, 30 psi. PSI? That's yeah. a lot, yeah, for like 1500 RPMs. <laughs> 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 it, it, it was great. So it, you did a ton of car stuff, but you were still at that time working in the corporate world, right? Yeah, you know, I, man, the corporate world is like not for me. I'm just, I don't, I don't know. I just don't like lots of direction, I guess. Um, yeah, rules suck, man. Yeah, they, they kind of do. I'm, you know, I just, I felt like it was sucking. I'll tell you what I was. I was a, I was district manager. My last job, which completely was the worst, and it had nothing to do with anything I went to school for or anything. But um, I was district manager for Home Depot's uh, merchandising. And it was, dude, it, it just sucked the soul out of me. I just, so it, that Home Depot essentially kickstarted Chuckles Garage. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I'm more of a Menards guy myself, so I, I, I can yeah. Same. That was my understand. first job in high school. Was I Menards. actually worked at Home Depot. Probably at the time when you were a district manager, I worked in floor and wall selling carpet. Really? It was. Oh uh, a- yeah, this was like. Uh, oh God, I think I. I think I left there in like 2005. Oh yeah, that's you know that's the time. Yeah, that, that's oh, the time when I was there. They're so bad with their employees and just, and then their managers get it even worse. So, so it was game over. So how did you decide what you wanted to do? What was the was there a moment or something that happened when you were working at Home Depot, sitting at the district manager desk, you know, doing some new uh, planograms and merchandising and everything else, going, "Oh, oh my God, God I got to get out of here." Gonna, I'm going to have PTSD if you start using the. <laughs> Ironically, that's like the industry term. That's the second time planograms has come up in conversation today for Chris and I. Yeah. He started yeah. organizing the fridge here at the studio. Merchandising the fr- I was facing everything. I was like, I look nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my my old <laughs> merchandising days coming out. I'm then gonna need to call a shrink here. You guys keep it up. <laughs> Let it all out, man. We're here. <laughs> not trying to not trying to cry on your podcast. No, it's okay. <laughs> so what what what, what, what facilitated this? How did you get out of it? What what like, was the thing? So. I had Chuckles Garage while I was doing this okay. for a few years. And it was basically I built, you know, one or two cars on the side because it's it just kept me alive. And um one day I was at work, I had just finished like working like a sixteen hour shift the day before, and then I had a super stressful day and I started to get heart palpitations and I had to uh I had to go to the emergency room. And when I got out, I was like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. And I took uh, I took everything I had and started Chuckles Garage. Were you scared? I mean, was it a did it feel like a risky thing for you, or were you pretty confident? I, I figured I'd just go get another job if it didn't work out. So I wasn't really scared. I was more. I think I was so. I think I was so over the stress of working a corporate job that I was just happy not to be doing it. Yeah. It's just so, so, so much of a relief. It didn't even matter at that point. Yeah. So I starved for a while and, you know, I worked with, I had, I had a good amount of tools and equipment already. So, but you know, I still worked in a pretty Spartan shop, a little tiny thing. It was like 1100 square feet. And, um, but I made it happen. So how'd you make it happen? What was kind of the thing that kind of, you know, really laid the foundation for Chuckles Garage where it went from you working in the smaller shop to, wow, I'm at SEMA now. How did you get, you know, how'd you make that transition? Oh man, just, just hard work. And, and, um, you know, making sure that I never went into debt. Um, and, you know, and also being my own, my own, uh, PR guy, like I've kind of have a knack of self-promotion. So, um, I don't know, just, just, just being smart and, um, making the right moves and, and, uh, you know, going way out of my way to, to make sure my, my builds were seen and, you know, was there, was there a moment that was kind of a transition? Like when you went from, uh, regular time to big time, there's actually a couple transitions. So when I first started my shop, a lot of folks don't know that when I first started my shop, it was for traditional hot rods. And, um, and there was no, no high tech cars, no turbos, no ECUs, no nothing, just, you know, model A's and gassers and hot rods, all that good stuff. I did a lot of custom work. Um, and then I built this car called the strange bird. It was a 62 Ford Falcon with a blown and injected, um, Buick, uh, nail head V8 in it. 
and I built it to the 67 NHRA rulebook and the car was like crazy popular on all the uh, forums. I remember forums. I do, man. It was a good time. Um, back when you could look <laughs> stuff up. That's great. Right. Yeah. So it was crazy popular on the forums um, and people were sharing it all over, you know, God, it'd be MySpace and that early Facebook and all that stuff. And so that put me on the map. And then it, it's just been, you know, gradually progressing ever since. And then <clears throat> Old Smokey, you know, really put me on the map. And then that's what got me to SEMA because I post, uh, I, ca I can't remember who posted it. I think it was Speed Hunters posted a picture of it or someone like that. What was the first iteration of that truck? Is it, you know, when you've got it done, what was it like the first time um, that you finished that truck and, and people saw it? Because I'm imagining it's nothing like it is today. Um, yeah, so this Old Smoky V1 was, um, I debuted that at SEMA 2016 in the Autometer booth, um, which was a real, man, get, getting into SEMA as a feature car, like in the main hall, your first time, <clears throat> it's definitely an old boys club. Um, and the, and my buddy, Joseph Mills, who ran, uh, Autometer and, uh, Brandon got, they really were instrumental in getting it, getting it there. Um, but once, once I got it there, it's like smoky blew up, but it was essentially like a pro touring tube chassis race truck with a license plate. Um, but it had, it had no nothing that really said, Hey, I'm a race truck on the outside, except for the rear down bars for the tube chassis that you can see. Did you still have a, was there a bet on the truck back then or no? Yeah, no, it always, it's always been, it's always had the same body on it. Okay. Um, of course the front end's different. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, <laughs> un unintentional impact forging. <laughs> um, I like that term. Impact forge. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's good. what I call when I crash something. You, I unintentionally impact forged it. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to use that. So, Scott, I I read you didn't originally buy this F1 to make it a big show truck, right? No, I just I bought it to flip it because it was. So I found it on Craigslist for 300 bucks, and I went I went to go look at it, and I'm like, man, this thing is clapped out. And so I offered the guy 200 bucks and he said 225 and I said deal. So I bought this thing for 225 bucks. Wonder what that guy did with the extra $25 that he <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm thinking he might have went to the casino and and lived it up a little bit. But um I took it back to the shop and I just pushed it off to the side for a little bit. And um it started to grow on me so I I'm like I'm just going to take it. I'm going to throw like a Cummins diesel in it and we're going to use it for like our shop run around truck. And, um, did you just have a Cummins diesel laying around or is it something you, yeah, I'm okay. why, why this motor? What, I mean, it's, it's become such an iconic part of the car, but, or the truck, but why that motor? Um, well, at, at the time I did it, this, <clears throat> the whole diesel swap thing wasn't like big and, and maybe people weren't even really doing it yet. Um, so I wanted to throw a wacky motor in this thing. And I'm like, well, I got this old 12 valve sitting out there. So, so I threw it in and what do these things make stock? Just, just so we have a baseline here. <laughs> like what is this thing's horsepower and torque when it's in a truck towing somebody's horses? 
Well, it depends which one. So Smokey has had the 12 valve, which had 160 horsepower stock. <laughs> and then, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and then Smokey's also had the 24 valve uh, 5.9 and the 24 valve um, 6.7. So, so I think. I was going to say, I, not being a big diesel <laughs> guy, are those the 6BT Cummins? Yeah, that that's the family of engines. So the twelve valve Cummins is six BT, and then the other ones are called the ISB series, like twenty the twenty four valve ones. Sure. So, wh- what kind of power is it making now, and how did we get there? <laughs> right, because I mean, we were talking one hundred and sixty horsepower in the first iteration of it. Obviously, now you've got the the the, the right, quote so, unquote better motor. But this, I mean, we're talking. This is you know fourteen hundred horsepower, two thousand pound uh, pound feet of torque. It's so far removed from 160 horsepower that I'm trying to wrap my mind around what you do. How do you get that much fuel into a, a combustion chamber to get that much power? Right. So remember earlier when I was talking about I don't have a whole lot of personal restraint? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's exactly how it got where it is. <laughs> um, and that's exactly how it Oh, I ended up driving Pike's Peak with it. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, this thing handles great. Let's 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 apply for Pike's Peak. <laughs> Were they like, are uh, you sure? Are you sure? Or they're like, yeah, sure, bring it. Let's do it. Let's go. Well, okay. So to answer your other question, yeah, let's let's go. Let's um, let's talk about this motor first. How do we get there? The first, the first, I didn't want like an anemic shop truck, so we just upgraded the turbo on it, and that's where I left it. But then. Okay, well, I got to upgrade the turbo. Are these well, mechanically injected? Injector. Do they have a computer? How do these things get fueling in the general? First, the first engine was mechanically injected. Um, okay, is that a Bosch pump, or who makes the pumps for that kind of thing? It's a yeah, it's a it's a Bosch. Um, it's, it's called the Bosch P pump. Okay, and it's literally a straight six engine that pumps fuel into your straight six engine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how much horsepower is it required to run the pump? Is the question. It's like it's like an exhibit joke. Um, <laughs> we hear you like straight six pumps. <laughs> yeah, so we put a straight six on your straight six. Um, I have no idea how much uh, how much it takes to run one of those pumps, but it's it's pretty cool. I mean, they're actually. I love this stuff. You just turn a screw for more fuel. It's great. Yeah, right. Like you can you can literally go to an old dinosaur piece of junk dog pickup with a screwdriver and give it like seventy five more horsepower. Huh. That's what we always did with the rabbits and rabbit diesels and the rabbit, you know, the turbo diesels. You just have the little fuel screw. You turn it up and, you know, you don't really make much more power and you make your EGTs go up, but it is smoking a lot. So that's always (laughs) nice. The EGTs is where the, uh, where the whole, uh, where your engine ends up getting a tombstone eventually. (laughs) All right. So eventually you went on and and into the stuff that actually has a computer and you're, you're trying to go after all this power, right? What, what's the story? Um, I just, one turbo leads to two and two turbo leads to, to bigger pumps. And then I'd got to upgrade the brakes and then like, okay, now the rear suspension's flexing too much. So I cut the t- chassis in half and I tube chassis it and then, okay, now I want more power. Okay. I want more power than anybody has, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> okay. Now I want to make this thing like, you know, an, an absolute track weapon. And it's, you know, it's just. It's it's like a combination of the fact that I refuse to grow up and I have like extreme ADD and and I and I just want I just want what I want so I just try to make it happen. 
how do you acclimate to this kind of brutalism? Because this is, this is like, yeah. I mean, how do you even, it must at all times, because I got, I almost bought a Golf R the other day. It's got 350 horsepower. I got in it and I was like, holy shit, this thing's fast. And then within five minutes, I'm like, I'm over it. It's not fast. I'm, I'm used <laughs> to it. Can you get used to something like this? Or is it just like getting thrown down a flight of stairs every time? So every time I take it out, like the first couple laps is like getting thrown down a flight of stairs <laughs> <laughs> or thrown up a flight of stairs more. Mm. It would be more accurate. Um, but after a couple laps, you just, I don't know. It's like getting in a fight. You get punched enough. You just kind of get your wits together and, and make it happen. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the adrenaline helps. Yeah. I mean, cause you're, you're, I'm sure your mind literally thinks you're dying. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, they say when you're, when you get like hits of adrenaline, your body's able to actually start processing things faster and things start to people always say when something traumatic happens to them, there's like, Oh, it was like slow motion. And I feel like with stuff like this, if you weren't able to make that happen in your mind, you'd probably be dead. You know when I, it's funny too. Cause when I watch my, when I watch my Pikes peak qualifying, I'm like, I'm driving that fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I'm in it, it's, it's like a symphony, you know, I'm just, I'm just going with the flow and I'm not thinking about like, the violent power delivery. Cause the thing is truly the most violent thing I've ever driven. Um, I guess you could liken it. You ever ridden a really nasty, like big two stroke dirt bike. How about a snowmobile or anything two stroke yeah. with a really <laughs> shitty power band? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Okay. It's that's what it's like, but with 2000 pound feet of torque, Wow. <laughs> you almost feel like, how do you put the power down? I was almost just like, like you want to have like a snowmobile tread on the back that goes all the way across the back of the truck for, for tire. But I mean, are you able to keep it down or is first gear, second gear useless? And you're, well, I mean, First what kind of speed are you able to go before you finally start putting power down? Well, there's a video on my YouTube of me hitting fourth gear at a at a at an event called Shift Sector, hitting fourth gear at about 150 miles an hour, and the truck gets sideways. So, if you're if you're not like dainty on how you change gears and how you apply the throttle while you're shifting, you can you can really get in a lot of trouble. Do you have anything wow. set up for, you know, a lot of guys will have like boost by gear. Yeah. Boost by gear, like anything like that. Or do you, how do you run that thing with my foot? <laughs> <laughs> your, your traction yeah. control is your foot and your brain. I like it. Yeah. Smokey, Smokey has zero aids. So it's all, you know, I've tried to do, um, gear based boost and speed based boost and stuff like that. But the problem with the diesel and maybe I'm just maybe I'm just not good enough to figure it out yet. But when you take boost away, it falls on its face, and then when you add it back, it becomes violent again. Right. Um, so I've just learned to like get it up on the pipe and then just embrace the violence. You know, it's well. There's um, the title for our see. podcast. <laughs> yeah, embrace the violence. Yeah, yeah. There's you someone know, needs to write it, a song called Embrace. There probably is a song called Embrace. I'm the sure there's like 20 death metal songs. There's probably a couple <laughs> bands. There's probably a couple bands named Embrace. Probably emo bands from like the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, there they're super sad with their piano embrace. Yeah, um, our friend Matt was. Our friend Matt was probably in one of them. Yes, yes, he, he probably was. Along with me, I was, my yeah, name, that was Chris too. Yeah, I was Captain Emo in the early 2000s. Uh, there's, there's no question about that. Um, yeah, no comment. I had the emo helmet. <laughs> 
I had the emo helmet haircut too. Right on. We're, sounds like we're about probably about the same age then. Um, so, so you went to the SEMA and the truck was discovered. And was the plan to go to Pikes Peak then, or when was the hat the plan hatched? I'm like, all right, I'm going to take this thing to Pikes Peak, which already sounds ridiculous. The car is already ridiculous, and Pikes Peak is ridiculous. It's obviously one of the more ridiculous things you can do with a vehicle is drive up a, a mountain in it and try to be the fastest person to do it without falling off. So how do we get to this point where we're taking it to the, to that level? Oh, you know, I, I have no idea. Um, you know, I do. I, I was looking through the Garrett catalog cause Garrett's one of my um, big partners and I see the Pikes peak cars and I'm like, man, I've always wanted to race that. And so I just sat down and sent an email to Pikes peak and they told me no. And I was like, Oh, sweet. So then I applied, but my application sucked. I didn't like put my racing resume very well or anything on it. So I got it all done. Um, and then I sent it in in 2018 and they're like, all right, we're going to let you come. And then I thought to myself, what have I done? (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious on this application. Do you have to say like, oh, it's a 1949 Ford pickup? Like what they were, they were, they were familiar with it okay. because, you know, at this point, you know, it was kind of, it's, you know, it had been on the cover of car craft. Gotcha. It had been on the cover of diesel power and been in hot rod again, videos with millions of views. Yeah. So like everybody's like, Oh, old Smokey is going to come to Pikes Peak. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we got to see this. They've already got their folding lawn chairs just ready to pop open to put right next to the, uh, <laughs> Oh man. I proved all the haters right too the first year. Cause I, I chucked it right off the mountain. Tell us about that. Um, well, so I did really well in tire testing um, the first two days. Um, was really comfortable with the truck. It handled really well. And um, I was bombing down the track. And uh, there's this really fast set of turns right before this corner called Engineer's Corner. And engineer's corner is the hardest possible left you can think of ever putting on any road course. And, uh, I was cooking and I knew it was there, but I went to make a stab. So I, I left foot brake in my truck. I drive it like a, you drive it like a, uh, like a cart. You gotta keep the boost up too. And so I stabbed at the brake and I missed it for like half a second and um, that was enough to put me way past my braking zone. And and so I just put both feet in and skidded off as straight as I can go because I didn't roll, roll down the hill. Um, <laughs> and, oh, my God, it hurts so bad because I, I just center punched the mountain. Ugh. Yeah, I'm not trying to ever do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so did were you injured? Yeah. You know, I didn't think I was. Um that's the adrenaline. But, uh, my tailbone hurt really bad. And when I initially hit the mountain, um, it I think it maybe knocked me out for like three to five seconds. I don't know. But all I know is I is uh, I don't remember like hitting the mountain, but I remember like doing high G breathing because I felt like I was going to pass out. And then uh, I, I couldn't feel my legs and my arms were tingly. And, uh, but the, it came back like immediately. And, uh, as soon as I got my breath, I just, I opened the door and I got out of the truck and all these medics are yelling at me like, don't get out, don't get out. <laughs> but you know, we, um, 
you know, I took a, I took a trip to the hospital and they told me that I fractured my tailbone. Um, but that's all they told me. And, uh, I, they said I didn't have a, have a heavy concussion. I might've had a mild one. Um, so I told my team to load the truck up and I, I drove it all the way back to California, fixed it in eight days and got back in time for qualifying. Um, and then on the last day of qualifying, the engine blew up. So we were out of the way, but you know, I tried and, um, with a broken tailbone, no less. Well, no. So the story doesn't end there. Okay. (laughs) Um, a few months later, my neck starts hurting like hell and my arm starts falling asleep. So I go to the doctor and turns out that I herniated three discs in my neck and there's a fracture in my C7. Oh, so essentially I raced Pike's peak, <laughs> Pike's peak with a trash neck and, um, and a broken tailbone. Wow. Did it? Did it feel bad? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, did you uh, notice? We're like, man, this this is were, really uncomfortable. I don't. There were not enough memory foam donuts in the world to make me comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like someone was shoving a hot iron at my butt the whole time I drove that truck. Oof. Well, it's only it was up, the worst. Only up from from there. So, what happened to the motor? What does it just? What the something let go? What let go? What ended the uh, season? One of the mains. One of the mains was uh, it was rod knocking. Um, could you even hear it or is that thing just so loud? You can't even hear that. Uh, type no, of thing? you can hear it. It was like, wow, that's a rod knock. And, um, it was blowing tons of oil out of the, out of the, um, into the catch can. So like one of the, one of the pistons must've, uh, went to, but, um, it wasn't making a lot of oil pressure. So, so did you end I up mean, rebuilding that motor or did you just get a different one? No, we just, we just, uh, we just, gave up. I mean, I didn't have another motor and, yeah. and it was, uh, there was no way. Cause there was another day of, uh, the, la- my qualifying day, like where they time you was the next day and there's no way I could have fixed it before then. So, right. We yeah. just kind of, you know, were you crestfallen? I mean, after everything you went through, was it, I mean, how did you just pick up and come back the next year and what was the um, motivation? I don't know. I just, I don't let, you know, I might get bummed and angry, but I don't let stuff like that burn me. You know, I, it's just, you just, uh, pick up and, and keep going. What is it about Pike's peak that draws you back? Just the man. Well, number one, it's probably the most beautiful place on the planet. Um, but I don't know, just the, just the rush of driving that, that race and you know, all the, all the history it's got and, and you know, getting getting very close to um I don't want to jinx it, but I I feel like Smokey has what it takes to beat um Mercedes Benz factory qual factory race record. So what was their what was their time and, and what were they driving? What holds the record? Um a Mercedes Benz sedan that was heavily modified with uh with a diesel. Um but it was basically a diesel touring car. Okay, so they had all the arrow on it, everything. So they just basically put is like yeah, DTM car, a, but with a diesel. Yeah, and they had a world rally champion driving for him. Um, but my my qualifying times were faster than his qualifying times were. Wow! And so that's huge motivation for me to get up there and do something I've never done in my motorsport career, which is 
you know, hold a world record for something on the track. I, I hold the world record for um, diesel half mile uh, land speed record, but that's that's pretty much it. So I have to ask you about that, Scott, because this truck is not the most aerodynamic <laughs> shape, right? Yeah, you know, there's no there's no laws of aerodynamics when you got 2,100 pound feet of torque. Is that all it is? I mean, just overpower the air. You just, you just, yeah, it's just, it's just like if I crash and fail, you just push through it. The torque just pushes through it. <laughs> so <laughs> what's you the fastest you've gone in this truck? What's, I mean, realistically, what's, what's the fastest you've gone and what do you think it could go? Oh man, you guys are going to find out how irresponsible I am. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this was on one of the track events. Um, I did high 170s on the freeway. <laughs> <laughs> in Mexico. In Mexico freeway. Um, in Mexico, yeah. Um, but uh, the, How does it feel at those speeds? I mean, is it... With... You could drive it with your pinky. Really? I mean, it's got... The, the arrow's really well... You know, Air Raid did a really good job um, designing all the carbon fiber. It's got, it's got a um, full autoclaved uh, carbon fiber undertray diffuser... Uh, splitter um, and then it's got a big tri-level apr wing in the back which we don't put on for going really fast because it makes like at 140 miles an hour it makes 1800 pounds of downforce so <laughs> the um, fastest i've ever driven was 150 and it was in a rabbit <laughs> and it was terrifying it was horrifyingly scary so the the land speed record we beat was 167 and a half mile um and that's with just the front splitter on and the under tray and the diffuser, but no wing. So what's left on the tack at, at that? How much, how much more have you got to go? Um, another like thousand RPM. Jesus. So what are we talking about so, when we math that out for top speed? Whatever gears I want to put in it. Um, I think the truck is, I, I really want to take it to the Texas mile um, and go 200 miles an hour in the mile. But um, first I want to do 180 in the half mile. I think it's capable. Yeah. That all comes down to your foot and your control of your foot, I suppose, and the gearing and everything else. Well, that, and I, I need it to, I'm, I can't give it full throttle until you're about a quarter mile out. So I'm really only running half the track at full throttle. Wow. <laughs> all just, right. Well, it won't hook up. It's not a prep track. It's always, um, uh, it's always done on an airstrip. So there's no right. traction compound. There's dust, there's pebbles, and just there's just no traction. It's, there's no, yeah. it has, there wasn't like 50 guys before you laying down rubber and everything else all the way down the track. No. Speaking, it's like glass. speaking of surfaces, Scott, you know, I'm thinking back to Pikes Peak when, when we were watching it, you know, in our younger days, it was not all paved and now it is. Yeah. Do you miss being able to compete on the different surfaces? Would would old Smoky have maybe been able to to take the gravel, or are you are you excited now that it's fully paved? You know, that's I'm not qualified to answer that question because I've never raced on the dirt. I've never I've never done like flat track or anything, and except for you know my my dirt bike days a long time ago, but never on four wheels. So, um. I don't, I can't, I can't even answer that question. I, it, I sure like to think I could go fast on, on it, but I guess, I guess I'd have to try it someday. So the, <laughs> the first year you went after the record, you crashed and blew up the motor second year and your butt second year, 
it rained, right? You didn't, you couldn't put down like the real good times because it was raining, right? Yeah. Well, by the time my run had come, um, you know, we unfortunately, my pit mate next to me was Carlin Dunn, and he passed away on a motorcycle, and that that delayed the race. Um, and then the weather came in; it was hailing and raining and snowing. And so by the time it was for my run, they closed the course halfway up and I could only run up to Glen Cove. So how did that affect your mental state when that guy just was there and then he just wasn't there anymore? Was it tough to push through that or did you just put it out of your mind? Nobody knew that he passed because they, you know, they don't, they don't talk about it. So they keep, they keep that. So I didn't know that I didn't know that he was gone. Um, but you know, I did, I did get some Intel saying he was, so that bummed me out. Um, I don't know my, I just, you know, I'm able to focus. So once it was time to put my helmet on, like, you know, I still sent it. So I think that's kind of the, the common thread in, in motorsports, you know, is once yeah, the helmet you, goes you on, gotta, you've got a job to do. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I mean, I was, I was really dejected. I, I, I very much wanted my chance at, at getting the record because I, you know, I spend half the month in Colorado preparing for the race and then race day gets there and it rains on you. But you know, they always say the mountain decides. So, yeah. and you really can't argue with nature. It giveth and it taketh away. You know, that's, it that's giveth, the nature of it. Yeah. So if, like, so, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. This, this year, they're running my class first. Um, so I am guaranteed as long as it's not raining when the race starts, I'm guaranteed a good run up the mountain. Um, so I just, uh, I, would, I need to best of luck, man. I'm rooting for yeah, you. I'm sure everybody else that's listening is rooting for you too. I hope you, you know, break that because you think of a big, a DTM Mercedes factor team with a rally car driver getting beat by a, uh, an American, just hot rod builder with his truck and a bunch of diesel fuel, just getting poured in with a, with a, basically a wastegate that's shooting fire into the sky. I mean, that's about <laughs> that's, as good as it gets. That's almost it. It's actually, it's actually closer. So it's like, if you took like a, a sled pulling truck and had a love child with like a trans am car <laughs> and, and made her, it was like a three way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so that's like exactly what Smokey is. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's like a tube chassis Trans Am car with a tractor puller motor and and you know the body of like a hobo. <laughs> it's cool because it's this just this brutalist thing. And it, but on the other side of the fence with Mercedes, they're all standing over there with their pocket protectors and micrometers, just like <laughs> measuring everything and everything. Like and you're just like fuel boost power two thousand. <laughs> Let's go. Let's do this. So if you couldn't drive Smokey, and if there was in the, all of the history of Pikes Peak, you know you watched it when you were a kid. If there's another car that you've seen out there or truck or whatever, what would you like to take up the mountain? That's not old Smokey. That's already done it. That's, that's way too easy. Um, Audi S1 E2. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a decent choice. We were talking about the uh, the Pikes Peaks uh, Suzuki Escuda, Escudo that we played on Gran Turismo. That's the <laughs> The Escudo is cool, yeah. Monster Tajima's car. That thing was amazing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I've just... If, if I had one car, if I had one race or one race car to drive in a race for the rest of my life, it would 
Most yeah, it'd be the Audi S1 E2 or a Porsche 962. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, either either. Well, Jake said uh, you want an old Audi. That was his car. That yeah, that was my pick. That was that was his pick. It's a, it's a good choice. So when you're not doing the the Chuckles Garage stuff, you you're doing Resolute Motorsports. What is what is that? Yeah, so uh, my friend Gall and I run Resolute Motorsports, um, and we do air cooled. Um, just air-cooled Porsche. Um, we do them anywhere from, you know, taking your car and making it look factory, but be better than factory with, you know, better sway bars, you know, more powerful engine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or, you know, we can go full-on race car with a license plate. Um, we've we've got three different versions out right now. Um, we've got a rally car. We've got our uh, Tonto 911. And then um, we just—it's like a classic kind of car with with just modern upgrades underneath. That you, but you can't tell from the outside. So with your hot um, rod history and everything else like that, why did how did Porsche kind of come into your life, and you ended up doing doing this? Because it seems, I mean, it's so the the antithesis or the polar opposite of what you're doing with the truck. Because when you think Porsche, you kind of think of like delicate engineering and stuff like that. Where did Porsche come yeah. into your life? They are indeed delicate. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, compared to a Cummins diesel, yeah, for sure. I think I've blown up more Cummins diesels than Porsches. So, <laughs> well, they're easier but to I come also by. Don't, yeah, I also probably don't cheaper. Run yeah, I also don't run 102 psi on my Porsche builds. So, Jesus, that's the boost <laughs> number. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, it's so, I'm so used to it. And I say, they're like, everybody asks me it when I take it to like display it at a show or like when I took it to the Long Beach Grand Prix, all the race engineers were coming up and they were fascinated by it because they could, you can look at it and you're like, wow, this thing is a top shelf racing vehicle. But then you're also looking at it going, what is this thing? And <laughs> um, I'm just thinking what they, your boost they, gauge looks like. They just asked the. <laughs> I don't, you know, honestly, I don't even look at my dashboard when I'm driving this thing. If, if I see red lights flashing, I'll take a look. But <laughs> um, I'm sure you don't have time. It's just like the the girlfriend from high school. You don't really have time to stop. You just hold on. <laughs> you just, yeah, you just, I'm, you're just there to party. That's right. Um, but their their eyes when you tell them that it makes a hundred hundred plus psi a boost, they're just like in total disbelief. Wow. So. I could it's spend cool I could spend hours to you, you know, talking about that compound turbo setup, but we'll leave that for maybe another. Yeah, we're, another we're, we're running out of we're running out of time just a little bit. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting when I was kind of reading your story and um, I talked to a few people that know you is they commented on your your positive attitude and your perseverance. And one thing that I, I remember hearing from them is that you had, you know, your house burned down in the wildfires and part of your shop burned down. And you persevered through all of it. And I'm just wondering how much of the, you know, the wrenching and everything like that is the catharsis for the pain that you feel with that kind of loss. It's, um, it is, I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's my medicine. It's my, um, it's my Zen. Um, it's, I don't know. It just, I, I feel like cars fix everything for me. So I think in, in 2020, that's a little, that's something that everybody needs. 
There's a little oh, wrench right. in their you hand. Know, if, you're, if you're not a gearhead in 2020, you're you're blowing it. So <laughs> it, I just you know I just yeah. I mean, I can't even understand. It's it's this interesting place, the garage, where it's cars. Like I always say, are this. I can't think of anything other than cars that can be such a representation of what you want out of something or who you are. Because there's so many right. different variations, so many things you can do to to emote something. Like we all build cars because we want to go fast and stuff like that. But it's also because it makes you feel a certain way. Even when you're in the garage with with the with the truck and you're just sitting there looking at it, it's still you feel something for it because of what it represents. It represents all your your time, your talent, your blood, your sweat, the the crash that you had, the motor you blew up, the the progress of getting there, the the even all the way back to the Corrado that you first started messing with the boost on and your dasher way back in the day, <laughs> all that DNA of everything you've ever done with cars, you know, kind of like snowballs. And now you've got this truck. That's kind of like this pinnacle of everything that you've, you've learned and you've done and the mistakes that you've made. And other than relationships with people, I can't think of anything that represents that kind of thing. That's because there's not there. Truly I mean, isn't. It's, it's, it's a passion. It's an art. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's so much, it's so many different things. Um, it's almost a religion, <laughs> I would say. Uh, it, it, well, take me to church, man. Let's go. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. Anytime, anytime there's, anytime there's stress in my life or, or, you know, anything negative, you know, I just, I just go to the shop and, and do my thing. And it's, and it's all, it's like driving, you know, when you go out and you go for a nice spirited drive and you're not thinking about anything, but the steering wheel and, and you know, your butt dyno and all that stuff. It's, it's the same thing. It so. is, man. It is. So where can people find more progress, uh, about your, you know, your Pikes Peak stuff, Chuckles Garage and, and Resolute and everything else. I know we got a lot of Porsche people listening, so they should, uh, they should definitely check out Resolute. Where can they find that? Um, you can go to resolutemotorsports.com. Um, we've got our Instagram. It's at uh, Resolute Motorsports. You can check us out there. And then uh, my Instagram for my shop is, well, my personal Instagram is at Chuckles Garage. My shop really doesn't have one. I just feature the stuff on mine. Sure. Um, and then my truck has its own Instagram. It's just at uh, Old Smoky F1. Right on, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and sharing about your truck and and some of the stories. Well, I, you know, I appreciate it having you, you guys have me on here. It's fun. Cool. Well, I'm going to hold you over for a second. Don't hang up. Uh, but for now, we're going to say goodbye. Thanks again. All right, guys. See ya. All right. A hundred and what? Four PSI? Is that? 102 PSI a boost. <laughs> so nuts. I'm what, like, I was imagining what the boost gauge would look like in my head. <laughs> I was just like all these little bitty, tiny little lines for yeah. like all the boost. And I'm sure it just, it's like either zero boost or it goes to like 89. Well, I, th- I looked like, at the inside of the, he's got a digital dash. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So I think it's a little like, simpler than that. I'm imagining is <laughs> an old autometer gauge with a hard line. Yeah. Because it would just blow up one of those little yeah, vacuum no lines. Yeah, no kidding. Oh yeah, my goodness. Everything is all completely digital. I, I just, this truck is absolutely wild. Make sure you go check it out. If you Google like Hoonigan and Old Smokey, you'll be all able to find it. All you have to it. Google Most is Old Smokey F1. Um, we're going to have to find our way 
to Pike's Peak, don't you think? I do. I think that'd be awesome. To so see. before we do that, what have you got for us? Yeah, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Oberk Car Care. Oberk is a Midwest manufacturer of polishing compounds and supplies that is researched, tested, and developed by professional detailers. Oberk products are designed to decimate swirls, holograms, and that nasty oxidation on your vehicle's paint. And right now, Oberk is offering 20% off any order online with the code OVERCREST. Discount code is good not only on OberkCarCare.com, but also on CarSuppliesWarehouse.com and DetailedImage.com. Be sure to check this stuff out. It is a great product. I've always wanted to go to Pikes Peak. It's something I've always wanted to do. And now we have the opportunity with the podcast to go. I think we should go. Okay, let's go. Okay. On that note, guys, we will see you on Friday. Take care. We'll be